0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, we're at the 2022 Napa Expo with reigning two-time world champion Ron Caps, who has just recently started his own motorsports company. Find out what it's like being both the driver and the team owner. Listen to Ron explain his initial rush when his race car goes from 0 to 100 miles per hour in 7 tenths of a second. He said it's all about his team and the processes and the procedures. Carm Capriato, the aftermarket radio network. You know, Napa continued sponsoring Ron when he started his own motorsports company. And listen when Ron talks about hanging with techs and shop owners. It's a great interview. Hey, thanks to our partner, Napa, for providing you this episode. Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help your business thrive. If you're an auto care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. Not a Napa Auto Care Center? Well, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store and learn more. Remarkable Results Radio, Carm Capriato, at the 2022 Napa Expo. And this is our first interview in this gorgeous open-air studio that we have. We never have a roof, Ron. We, we never have a roof. And when Ron came in here, he goes, wow, this almost sounds like it's a shop. It is the largest, most expensive shop. If you think I, about it, uh, you I, haven't seen my shop yet. <laughs> no, <I'm> just
1: kidding. <laughs> well, it better be nice. If it's nicer <laughs> yeah. than this place right now. Yeah, I there is it. more cool things in this place if you're a, an auto enthusiast or a do it yourself. Or my gosh, everything you could ever want is in this building right now.
0: I think I would have to introduce the voices that are speaking. <laughs> Everyone knows who
1: <laughs>
2: I am. At least his. You don't
0: need. To uh, uh, I won't do you, man. Ron Capps is with us. Wow, NHRA Funny Car driver, the Napa car. The Napa car. Jeez. Love that, yeah. Team owner. And a team yes. owner. We want to talk about that, too. You just finished Colorado, what, yesterday?
1: Yeah, last night. Last night? In here. It actually worked out good being here with you guys and Napa Expo because we have a three-race, what they call the Western Swing. It's Denver, Sonoma, Seattle. And so 2020, obviously, we were going to have Napa Expo, and we were yeah. ready to come here and do that. And it was a different month and all, but uh, it got put off and here we are so we'll take it whenever we can get it whether it's july and it's what I, we landed last night was 108 here yesterday i don't know about you guys but uh
0: that's
2: pretty warm yeah i know it's a dry heat it was only 30 <laughs> percent humidity
0: yikes sonoma they make wine there yes
2: they do <laughs> oh look at that <laughs>
0: look at that yeah uh, like a guy i mean we could drink some good cab together couldn't we Yeah. Uh, hey uh, matt fonslow is also with us from uh Riverside Automotive out in Red Wing, Minnesota, and the Matt Fonslow Diagnosing the Aftermarket Podcast. Nice to see you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. And Paul is with us. It's Ron's manager. Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Thanks for putting this together for me. Anything
3: for a Buffalonian.
0: Yeah, that's what I wanted (laughs) to say. He's from my hometown. Good to see you. You left a long time ago, but we talked about some of our favorite haunts back in the day. Chicken wings. Yeah, we sure did talk about that. Ron, what does it take... In 2021, to start your own motorsports company, I mean, that's what we want to talk about.
1: Sort of happened during the pandemic. All of our lives were changed during the pandemic for one reason or another, right? I've been driving professionally since 1997, and I was driving for Don the Snake Perdomo, one of my heroes growing up. Snake and the Mongoose, I played with her Hot Wheels. So to be thrown into this rock star role of driving for a legend like that in a sport that I grew up in, building his models and playing with his toys... It was cool, but what happened was, throughout the years of being just a paid driver, a hired shoe, or whatever you want to call it, I've always had the thought that someday, of course, the ultimate would be a team owner like a John Force, like a Connie yep. Colletta, like a Don Prudhomme, yep. and a Roger Penske. You know, you just go down the list of all these great owners that have driven at one point or been into racing, and now just the best of the best. So. I've had this long career, which has been great. It's been 27 years, I think, professionally. I've been driving for different owners, went to Don Schumacher's and that's when Napa Auto Parts came on board as a sponsor. And it was during the pandemic that I had one of those, oh my gosh, moments that I said, you know what? I'm gonna do this. It's now or never. And so when racing got going again, after the pandemic, we slowly got going with an HRA. Things turned out. The company, Napa Auto Parts, Genuine Parts Company, had some new people come in. They were transitioning, moving a lot of things the way they looked at motorsports and athletics and things that they were doing, and there was just a fresh new vibe at the top there at headquarters in Atlanta, and at the same time, I was going to make that move. I didn't know what I was going to do, but things came together. I was hoping Napa would come on board in this venture and this lifelong dream, And I didn't even know that I was gonna have a budget or a sponsor at that time. We were searching for one, but I was just praying and hoping that they would stay on board with me. I'd been with them since 2008. And lo and behold, they said, we wanna be part of this venture of yours. We wanna be part of this dream and this thing. Now, what helped that was a lot of me being around Napa Auto Care Centers, which are garages and shops that you see driving around the country that people own. And what people forget is Napa's auto parts stores, it's not a chain. It's not something that uh, you can franchise. Most Napa auto parts stores are owned by people in your neighborhood. It's not Napa-owned stores that are spread around. These are people that are living the lifelong dream, if you will, that being a business owner, taking control of your own life, but in the auto parts business. So between the auto care centers, which are an extension of Napa Auto Parts, and I, most of what we do away from the racetrack, is i spend time at these appearances and these dinners and these events with napa auto care people which are hard working mechanics basically during the deck and technicians now i grew up with a dad that was a technician for 33 years as a chevrolet dealership so every bit of my time on summers i spent working as my dad's mechanical assistant running parts uh, so i was around that lifestyle so it was just natural for me i just kind of gravitated And I think that's what's made this sponsorship, if you will, so well, is I really grew up in that world. So I understand how hard they work. I understand. I even worked right out of high school. I went and, you know, you're trying to beat flat rate. You're working at a dealership. You're trying to make a living. And so being around these people that had their own businesses as Napa Auto Care Centers and jobbers that are waking up in the morning, figuring out how to be better, how to make their business better, how to make their lives better, make more money. I've had that to feed off of. So to answer your question, I told the, my team owner last year in September, we had about six races to go. And I said, I'm going to not come back next year. I didn't have a contract the following year and Napa wasn't coming back with him. And I told him right off the bat before I told anybody else that that's what I'm going to try to do. I going to try to finally make that move. I never imagined that I would have the backing like Napa stepped up and did because if, for me, you know, as a race car driver, I dreamt. Even before I had them as a sponsor, I I always just saw commercials they did. I saw how involved they were, and I grew up with my grandfather who uh, who worked on a lot of cars, going down and picking up parts for him as a little kid. And he had an account at the local NAP auto parts store in a little town I grew up in. So I was just around that, and and it just it was. I always said, "Man, that would be the ultimate sponsor if you could have one." Gosh, I mean, how much better could it get? And then I had it, and then they decided to come along in this. You know, not knowing what, how I was going to do what I was going to do and how it was going to go, but they wanted to be a part of it. And it's it gets emotional sometimes because you know you hope that something like that happens, you just never imagined it.
0: It reminds me that you didn't even have a plan B. No,
1: what I did figure was I was surrounded by enough good people up to that point, but I figured worst case, if I want a couple more, now we had our playoffs, we had a six race playoffs, which by the way. This is all going on in the back, all this white noise, and we're fighting for a world championship, which we ended up winning. So now you take it a step further. You could not have scripted a Hollywood story better than all this going on in the background, fighting for a world championship, winning a world championship, and then announcing that you're going to be a team owner the next year, and you're going to have the backing of one of the best sponsors in the world. It was just crazy how things planned out. But I figured if I couldn't get a sponsor— when I first decided I was going to do it, I could always, somebody was going to, I hopefully was going to pay me to drive. I could get, even last minute, I figured I would get a ride doing something to make enough money to get by. I had done it long enough. And I think I'm a decent driver and I represent sponsors enough that I think I could have probably got. Now, who knows? And I'm glad I never had to find out. But uh, that was my plan B. Plan C was go to work at an Apple Auto Parts store <laughs> yeah. and, and be oh, yeah. a parts
0: oh, yeah, parts
1: yeah. person,
2: yeah. delivery
3: person. Oh yeah, that would have happened. <laughs> the yeah. fastest drive that truck, truck around for truck the yellow hat on top. Well, you are the fastest. <laughs> yeah, delivery can we, yeah, can yeah, we see? get a delivery truck with a V eight because this four bangers is just not going to
2: hack it.
0: Hey, it's no secret. We're facing a technician shortage, and NAPA Auto Care has a solution with the NAPA Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was pioneered by one of our own. Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen from McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought after these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. The NAPA Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, and they are classroom training videos exclusive to the apprentice program. Now, these videos provide in-depth training from a successful master technician. Also Autotech classes with instructor-led courses offered through Napa Autotech and Autotech e-learning. This web-based e-learning is designed to target specific training topics. And finally hands-on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, Autotech instructor-led training, and Autotech e-learnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon completion, apprentices will have earned ASC G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Look, having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. And in most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you'll begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. One of the largest barriers to entry for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry? Is the cost of tools. Now, keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. Now, Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive comprehensive tool set, including a four-drawer tool cart for all registered apprentices. Hey, to learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. I love your story. It's inspiring. Thank you for sharing it. I also read in your bio that your mom was carrying you when she when the family went to the races, I mean, it was it, yeah. ever since uh, minute minute one. Huh?
1: There was always Shirley Cha Cha Muldowney, right? And, but I had my own mom. To me, was Shirley Muldowney. growing up, she raced. My dad would put her in race cars. He got more thrill out of building a race car. He was the guy that everybody came to in town. You know, we had a drag strip there. When he sold his race car. He was the guy that my garage was always full of people bringing their race cars over because he was that guy, right? He he knew how to help people with injection or superchargers or motors, whatever it might be. So it was cool to have that atmosphere around. He just dug it more building a race car and sticking my four foot, eight foot mom. She's Portuguese, and she would rip your heart out the starting line at a drag strip like she was brutal, right? Reaction time and just oh, and before oh. that, back in the day when they met and they were running around town like you know American graffiti style. My dad's streetcars back in the day, when they would go outside of town and run on a little two-lane strip of road, he would put her in his fast street cars, and they'd go out and bet money and beat guys and oh, guys. No. Yeah, so she had this reputation that she just didn't mess with them. And she you know, four-speed, they'd put blocks of two-by-fours on the pedal so she could reach. and <laughs> he had a 55-chevy with a big block, and I've heard all these stories, so it's a joke, but it's not a joke. I was probably um, well, I'm sure. That I was conceived at a drag strip somewhere in a parking lot. And for sure, I was in her belly, I'm sure, at a drag strip
0: while she was driving at one point or another. I tell a story like that, and I won't now. But I think something like that could have happened conceived to me. Conceive's not a bad word, right? Yeah. No, it's I, a good I, word.
1: I kept it clean. No, you, you did, but... Uh, Tracy you know. got nervous over there at the board, I can <laughs> see. I'll keep it
0: G-rated. Super excited and happy that they said, let's do this. Yeah,
1: yeah. Again, from afar, watching Michael Waltrip commercial, Dale Jr. and Sammy Hagar, just all the fun they used to have making fun of themselves, all the fun commercials. I used to just, I was so much envy in me of how great a sponsor they were, but you go back to, you know, they've been around forever.
0: Tell us your Napa know-how story.
1: That was at the Denver airport. I was changing planes and I was on one of those moving walkways. And uh, I had a Napa shirt on, of course, and we're going opposite directions. And uh, I'll never forget it. It's just this she saw the Napa, you know, from afar. It's very visible, you know, logo, of yeah. course. She saw it, and as she went by, she started doing the Napa know-how thing to me <laughs> and shaking her head. And she—and we just kept going opposite ways. I thought that was the most bizarre moment. So she obviously saw the commercials,
0: which was cool. (laughs) So let's talk about starting your company and having to be now the leader of it. It's not a risk, but during your whole think period, during COVID, I got to do this. And, uh, you know... What's the upside? What's the downside? And pulling a team together. I think we struggle in our industry trying to find great technicians and train them constantly and worry about productivity, satisfying customers. There's a story here on what I think our industry can learn from what you've done. It really
1: started the other way around, but it's amazing how many people throughout this season already so every race we've gone to it's my first at being an owner first of all it's first It's seen a lot of our fans in each area we go to but a lot of these Napa events it never fails even last week in Denver racing um, I get these fans that come up and almost every one of them will shake my hand you know I'll sign something for them and I'll shake my hand and they'll say we are so happy and excited for you and you being a team owner so the fans have really felt like they're a part of it which they should be they really ha- should but it's amazing how many people, I mean, there's people that come up in both hands, grab my hand, and, you know, fans, and just look me in the eye and say, we're so, so happy that you're a team owner now. We're so excited for you. And that's pretty cool to be at the racetrack and have fans do that. And then you take it a step further, all these events we're doing, these Napa people um, walking in here. I probably got stopped 10 times on the way in by different Napa people. Some I didn't even know who they were. They yell my name, and we're excited for you, happy for you. And, you know, as we're going... Walking through here, so it's just been a lot of fun. But it really kind of started the other way around, where I've always been intrigued with the, being around the Napa people and hearing their stories. A lot of them, especially Napa auto cares and the shops. And again, I kind of grew up in that world. But I, I've always loved our events where we, you know, we may have a dinner and have some beers and just hang out. And these people work their tails off all day, right? And uh, it may be leading into a race, so they get to come out and hang out with Ron Caps, the race car driver, but me. They show up, and they're still dirty. They smell like diesel. But we're having a beer, and we're, we're celebrating, really, them working hard. And that's what helps me with my sponsorship, right? And so I love hearing their stories. You know, some of them, it's fifth-generation family passed down. Some of these jobbers that, that are store owners, for people listening at home, a jobber is a store owner. Yeah. So um, they've always called – I'm not even sure that we call them jobbers.
3: Not anymore. I need to learn not anymore.
1: that. anymore. <laughs> but these store owners are, are the same thing. We checked in last night here at the hotel, and a kid and his uh, wife, Young, came up and said how happy he was that I am out on my own and being a team owner, and that he did the same thing with two Napa stores in their little town in Illinois somewhere. And he, he proceeded to tell me his story and how excited it was. So, I mean, we've had these moments, right? So, for me, it's always been listening to their stories. How are they making it, right? You know, you have a couple beers with somebody that's maybe... I had a dad that started a shop, and, of course, you know, they wanted to survive. You know, it's being passed down. Maybe their dad's around, and you hear these stories of dads or grandpas that still pop in that are 90 years old that started it, and they may come in and drive and deliver parts or something. So I've always fed, to answer your question, I've always fed off of that part. And now I've got these people talking to me about, about my role in being a team owner. But honest to God, I just tell them, I go, it's really, I'm kind of seat of the pants. I'm going off of what I've learned being around the Napa people. And that's plain and simple. First thing I did was hire the best crew chief and crew members that I could, and which was the team that I got put together with last year. And we won a world championship together the first time ever ah, racing
0: together. Okay. So that nice. team that had that magic with you yeah. Came for, with you. My longtime
1: crew chief retired in January of 2021, oh. right before the season started, 11th hour. My team owner, we had another driver didn't have funding. Well, my team owner put me together with that other team that didn't have the driver. I obviously, I lost my crew chief and my team because my crew chief retired and my old team I had for eight or nine years together. Didn't want to work for another crew chief, so they all went to work elsewhere. So I got put together with these guys. A lot of my new already, just never had worked together. And we proceeded to win a world championship together the first year. So back to when you asked me about going out on my own that September when I told my team owner I wasn't coming back, this crew chief and this team that we won the world championship had a lot of money thrown at them to go elsewhere. They could have very well gone and probably made more money. Not that I'm not paying them well, but there's a lot of independently wealthy Racers out there that will throw a carrot out there to a lot of of good crew members and and crew chiefs. And they all came. My whole team came with me on this venture. And this is a guy going out on his own the first time as a team owner. So that was pretty cool for me. They all said, we want to be part of what you're doing.
0: And I want to bring a parallel to the shops that are throwing all kinds of money at technicians because they're shorthanded. It's the culture that people want to work for. They want to work for someone who cares about them, appreciates them, wants to train them. And I can only think that the reason this crew came for you and they could have gotten more money is they believed in you and you appreciated them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I, I felt the same way about them. And I grew up a crew member. So I know what that part of life is about traveling down the road. I always wanted to be a driver, but I, I lived that part of it. So yeah, that was huge. But I understood driving for Don Perdome and being around these people. I paid a lot of attention over the years. You know, Don Perdom would always say, you can't win the Kentucky Derby riding a mule. And I always knew what he meant. And you've got to have a good team. You've got to have a good car. I don't care if you're John Force. If you're not going to be John Forrest, if you've got a 10th place car, you're going to be 10th place John Force, right? You're not going to be umpteenth world champion John Force. So you've got to have that. And I, that was the very first thing. Well, actually, first thing was to hire Paul Mecca uh, right here, who was uh, him and I worked together with NAP Auto Parts for several years, eight or nine years together in the NAPA system. And so he was the first hire as our team manager. We've been together and wanted to stay together, but the team was the first thing really we locked in. And since then, man, it's uh, the best thing I could have done ever. I brought the team out to a lot of our events with these NAPA get togethers. And I find myself, a lot of these auto care people, and it, they're gravitating towards my crew. And I look over and they're over at another table talking, a technician talking to my crew guys. And enjoying themselves rather than talking to me, which is fine by me. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then you might have a shop owner over there talking to, to Guido is my crew chief's name. He's got a nickname named Guido. And it's really cool because they're eye to eye. They are so many. It's just fun to watch because, the, like you said, the parallels to our race team and a shop are so alike. It's not even funny. You've got to have a good manager, right? You've got to have a team. If you're going to own the place, you not only have to have a good manager, but you. if you don't have a manager, you've got to manage well. And a
0: lot of times, you've got to let a good technician
1: do their work. That's what's key.
0: Ron just said something so important, and he says, remember when he was a crew member. When we think about some of the struggles we have in our industry and our shop owners today that were technicians, they just love to fix cars, and now they have to run a business. Maybe that's one of the secrets that's missing with the struggling shops is remember when you used to work in those bays and the challenges and how hard that job really is, I think it's got to resonate.
2: Well, and then like he's saying, you didn't just get handed the keys to this and open the door and here's the team and let's go win. You let people do what they needed to do or your manager let people do their jobs because they're really good at it. And I think that's really important. So that's cultural. You have a team culture. We would say a shop culture. Yeah. And you have clearly, you know, the manager or yourself or whoever you have operating procedures that they follow and maybe help develop so that they're more likely to follow them. And all of that contributes to world championships. Like That stuff doesn't fall into place. Somebody doesn't do their job the way they could, the team doesn't win. It can't. And so I think what you're saying is just, it really resonates with me. And I think it should resonate with a lot of shops and techs in general that, hey, there's got to be a team goal we're not competing against other shops to win, right? It's not a zero-sum game, but we're trying to be successful. We're trying to feed our families. We're trying to grow our business, buy new equipment, maintain old equipment, market, you know, fund a marketing campaign to bring in more customers, stuff like that. Well, that's winning. That's the goal. Everybody's got to buy into that team goal and how we're going to get there and help develop the way to get there. And I mean, just what you're saying over and over has been resonating with me.
3: Ryan, you know, you've said before, you trust the guys, and for example, you—they build a brand new race car. You get in it, and you go make a full pole. You don't worry about a thing. You yeah. trust what they've done.
2: Yeah, that's a yeah. really good. Let statement.
3: them do their work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm smart enough to know I'm not good at something. I need to have somebody good around, you know, and let them do it. You know, hiring Paul, of course, and and the team. And then through uh, the off season, uh, I was a mess for a couple months because I was trying to learn what I needed business-wise. So now I'm telling my son, because he's right now, he's starting college and he doesn't know what he wants to do as far as a major, which is great. I told him, don't rush (laughs) because that could get expensive, right? But I said, business major when we were growing up, it was the party major because it was one of the <laughs> easiest, right? You just go in business and you learn and, and the classes weren't completely killer. They just didn't wear you out. But but now, if you, I told him, go get a business degree, just a basic even, so that if you ever decide, no matter what you do in life, because had I taken one, oh my gosh, the off-season would have been a little better for me, but I had a crash course in everything business. So a lot of the people that have started these shops and all that, Oh my gosh. I've heard the stories and I now I feel them because they tell me that there's a couple in North Carolina when we race out there and they've come out a few times. This couple, I forget what it was. They moved from somewhere up in Wisconsin or somewhere. They moved down on a whim, bought a Napa Auto Parts. No, it's an auto care center. Yeah. They actually stay in a camper in the back of this place. So we've seen them three times. We race twice in North Carolina. We race a four wide race and we go back in a playoff race. Yeah. And we saw them again this last year. But the year before they had one other tech and they moved all that way and they were living in a camper in the back of the shop and from what i gathered he was a pretty good technician obviously and she was pretty good at helping or whatever she did they made a good team you could tell and we were at like a top golf event the first time and maybe a a dinner another time and we just saw him at a top golf thing we did a couple months ago and they finally moved into a house they were finally up and running well enough but They were just, the stories they were telling, I was like, I feel you, I know, now I know what you're talking about. I just went through it. Could just see the relief that they had finally a place that they could leave the shop at night, (laughs) drive to a house, and actually be away from it, that it was running. But they struggled, you know, for a couple years, and I would see that every few months when we would see them. So it was
0: cool. Those stories are great with me. Love your energy. Love your excitement. Take us behind the scenes. What do you guys do the night before have a big ribeye dinner get together have a meeting do you well it depends
1: almost always there's some type of a a sponsor event usually on a thursday night and most of the time with napa listen i'm very blessed if you follow me on social media and i'm usually posting where these appearances i go to and i spend not a lot of time at home but in between races doing appearances wherever i get asked to go but most always we have something on a thursday night because we start qualifying on Friday. so Usually a Napa distribution center in that particular area will put together an event. And either somebody has to qualify for it or they get invited to it if they're a very good customer. They buy a certain amount of parts. And it could be an indoor go-karting thing we did in Denver where they had 60 people come after work. And most of them were technicians. They got to come race with me at an indoor go-karting place and then some beers afterwards and just hang out. and At the racetrack, we don't get to get that one-on-one time. A lot of top golf events. Well, they'll, they'll come in and rent out a bunch of bays. If you've been to one of those, they're a blast. Oh yeah, uh, dinners nice. A good steak dinner that you know they get off on a Thursday but I- night. But is
0: your crew with you
1: now? They get invited more so this year. Before we might have a crew chief invited to come to okay. an event. It just depended on how many yeses they got and yeah. in their invites and how much room they have. But I'm finding more and more this year it's unique, and I'm not even sure how it happened. But all of a sudden, our crew guys are been invited almost every week. Which has been, and I, I think maybe because we have this new ownership thing, and I don't know. It's been fun though, and my guys are so appreciated of being able to join us for these events because my old crew never got to go to a lot of them, and very rare. But almost everywhere this year, which now that now now I'm telling you this, it's kind of unique because it's it's been almost every race. So there's something there, but it's nice to have them join. And again, just uh, every time they came out the other night, and there they were, technicians off. Talking yeah, yeah. shop with my guys because they're blown away. They're telling them the size of the bore of our pistons, yep. and they're blown away by the stroke and <laughs> the size of the length of our rods, right. and, or the number of fuel injectors. Yeah, or telling them, uh, you know, what we do between runs to actually talk to a guy that actually they could talk to me, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to tell. them, Here's what we do: we do this, and fuel is forty dollars a gallon. And I give them the whole spiel. Right? They're actually talking to the, one of the kids because we've got eight kids, eight guys that attack this engine, and in 33 minutes, they will have it apart, raging hot from a run, completely apart back together in 35 minutes and ready to fire back up, 11,000 horsepower. You can't get your oil changed in 33 minutes, right? These guys tear this engine down to the bare block, nothing but the block and the crankshaft, everything completely out of clutch off the back and back together. So a technician, a gearhead, that is the ultimate. I mean, that is car porn, right? I mean, to hear, to,
0: for them to... <laughs> Wait a minute. We should do a show on car porn. Yeah. That is... Yeah. See? Okay. I'm not you, afraid to talk show about right that. There. You're but no, uh, I love the whole concept in 33 minutes from soup to nuts, open heart surgery on the vehicle. What kind of things can go wrong? A lot.
1: Anytime you're pouring nitromethane into the tank, even if it's per- just completely perfect and put together perfect... It's one of the most volatile fuels in the world. And it basically, that engine sitting there, if you run gas in it, it might be a 1, thousand, fifteen hundred max horsepower. But when you pour nitromethane in it, we're talking twelve thousand horsepower. It's just shy of twelve thousand horsepower that they're making now. And this is an internal combustion engine that's basically, you know, an eight cylinder, supercharged engine. It's 11 over eleven horsepower it's crazy 15 1600 horsepower per cylinder so one cylinder on my car is more than chase elliott's nascar car over there imagine that one cylinder so to answer your question when nitro's in it it is very volatile if you don't have a good crew chief that knows what he's doing it can become a bomb very quickly and they do those are those highlights that i'm in uh, and other drivers are in a lot of explosions so things can happen. Stuff happens <laughs> nitros put in it, yeah. but Just, when it's good and it's right, oh man!
3: Well, take <laughs> man. it one take it one step further. What you're saying is true, but now you blow up an engine, so you've got the rebuild, but you've got to change a block. Maybe you've got to rewire some part of the car. You got to clean all your oil lines out, your fuel lines out. That add that.
0: I mean, he's, yeah, blow- yeah. he's blowing the engine during the run. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you got a fire going on there, right?
1: Yeah, in fact, you know, <laughs> a few races ago, we won our second race of the season in Bristol, and we completely exploded right at the finish line, 330 miles an hour, exploded. Uh, it dropped a cylinder and, and got an intake valve, and when it does that with a nitro engine, it's big time. And it was, it's a bomb. And luckily, we had some teammates uh, that came over and helped our crew, but got us back to the starting line because we're on live TV. We went on to win the race, had a backup body that we brought out, the Toyota Super Body, and put that on there. We made it within minutes back up to race who is now the number one in the points car and beat them. The next run. And then went on to win the whole race. And it did. It had a fire and burned a bunch of lines, like he said. And and so it wasn't just rebuilding the car. It was quite a bit more. But uh, I think they gave us 50 minutes to be back up there because it was live TV. So those are those cool moments that you look back and you go, man, that was coolest thing ever. Yeah.
0: Can we talk about speed? That means going fast. Yeah. Back when you started, because you just mentioned 330 miles an hour. I don't know what the land speed record is on the salt flats. And oh, it's,
2: it's, they broke the uh, salt barrier. So, okay, all right. Yeah. So
0: okay, But 330 in the track. Uh, and when you first started, what was the speed those cars were going?
1: When I started driving, there was a 300-mile-an-hour club uh, oh. in Top Fuel and Funny Car. And I came in right near the end of that. Kenny Bernstein had just gone 300, first to go 300, maybe five years, because I started in Top Fuel Dragster one year, my rookie year, and then I got in Don Pernom hired me in a funny car. Been in a funny car since. But when I was in the dragster, Kenny Bernstein had made the first 300 mile an hour run and then we had there was a club started and there was only 16 members going to be. So it went pretty quick. People started picking up on his speed and and that that filled up pretty quick. Funny car had a a 300 mile an hour club as well which I got into my rookie year at one point. They also had a four second club but the speed was right around 95 96 ish. The most cars were starting to go 300 plus okay. in a quarter mile now since then we're we run to a thousand foot since we had the death of a, a fellow funny car driver they shortened the tracks up to have give us more shutdown area but at the quarter mile kenny bernstein was the first to do that and um, and then it just all of a sudden it opened the floodgates
2: yeah i think that's the important part is the the 300 is amazing 330 is amazing what makes it amazing is the distance that they achieve it and the amount of time. That's the acceleration. That's what we're talking about. I think for wheeled vehicles, it's top fuel and funny car are by far the hardest accelerating things on the planet. Oh, and then maybe... There's only one thing. More G-forces?
1: Well, we go higher G-forces than space shuttle. The fighter pilot, you know, eight eight or nine Gs. Oh, when they're
2: pulling Gs. Yeah, Yeah. during the
1: run. Yeah, for sure on the planet, those two. When we're zero to 100, imagine this. So right now our car will go zero to 100 miles an hour in less than one second, yep. which is the amazing part, but it's really about seven-tenths of a second, and it happens in 60 feet from a standing stop. Yep. yep. So imagine in 60 feet, if you and I are looking out, that's the back of this truck over here. Yeah. From a standing stop, we're going 100 miles an hour, so it's literally being shot out of a cannon. And that is what the amazing thing is when you drive them. I mean, yeah. it's just cool when you see the numbers, but when you're driving them, and the G forces actually aren't at the very step. You'd imagine that would be the highest G's. No. It's actually about a second and a half in when the clutch starts applying, and then and it then just the, pins And then the tires you. are. Oh, yeah. And it just—it's like the the Battlestar Galactica show when it first came <laughs> out and that hyperspace thing. <laughs> it's exactly what it so feels like. So you really
2: like. have gone plaid. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we invented plaid. Yeah, because they're they break about the uh, Tesla plaid will do. It's more kind of a rolling. Zero to one hundred, I think, or zero to sixty in two seconds. Yeah, and they're doing zero to one hundred standing stop in point seven, point eight seconds consistently. So, do you pull a
0: lot of data? Is there is your computer data between that thirty three minute fix? Is somebody looking at oh, the yeah. data? Yeah. yeah,
1: you can really look at it as much as you want on these computers, but it, it's not something like Formula One where it's actively nor. And really, if you look at it, three point eight seconds. There's not much you could do. You know, we're not allowed to have traffic control or anything like that, so they really couldn't do anything real time. But what happens is that we make a run, they come back, they upload it into a little a little box, they take it into the computer, and they download it in the computer, and they can look at cylinder temperatures, they look at a g meter, they look. We have infrared ride heights that will tell them when the tires started to grow fuel pump pressures they'll have gallons per minute so they can see if a pump's going down you could go on and on and on it's got a g meter in it so it'll tell exactly when the g started pulling and how much and they can overlay different runs so what they do is they'll look at that data and then they make an educated guess because let's say we're going to run two runs on a saturday 12 o'clock and three o'clock is our qualifying runs well they've got a sort of guess and the weather system and what they think the weather will be like, what the track temperature will be like in an hour from now because by the time we start the car, go down the staging lanes and get ready and I get suited up and get in it it's been that long so they have to kind of guess what the weather will be like and guess what that tune up is and how much they think they can apply the power on the clutch. Sometimes they get it sometimes they don't and then of course they make the run, come back and look at that run and overlay it to what they think and so they get all this data every run and they can pull up last weekend they were pulling up runs from three or four years ago and comparing things and trying to figure things out is
0: the computer doing some work on that car i mean are you just putting your foot to the pedal yeah
1: i have a big gas pedal i have a handbrake i've got a clutch but basically a clutch is for me to roll forward do the burnout put it in reverse and back up and that's it i don't pop the clutch like a normal car it's a centrifugal clutch so i have a handbrake i hold it with and uh, I have a fuel pump lever that I pull on, and when that light comes down, those flash of, of yellows and that you see on the Christmas tree, and I mash the pedal, and at the very bottom of that pedal, there's a red button underneath it. And when that button goes down, it starts all the timers and everything that they can set for that run. So basically, they're setting a run up from the step of the throttle. And so when I hit the gas, that button starts everything. So when they test their system and they do A test run, let's say, in the pit area, he will go in and he has a guy reach his fingers underneath and hit the button in the pit area, and it starts all those timers, and he has a little box he can plug in, and it downloads that test run, if you will. Then he'll go plug that in the computer like it's supposedly a run, and he can see what the timers would do. Then they hope and pray when we go down to the track. Now, again, they can make little changes before I get on the track, last-minute little changes here and there. what? where they can move a timer, they can pop the box open and maybe stretch a clutch, a valve out that's going to add clutch at, let's say, 2.2 seconds or 2.6 seconds. If the track got hotter, we don't need this clutch right here. We're going to slide the clutch a little more, so they're going to move a couple timers out. and I'm talking fractions of a second, believe it or not. So little things like that, they can change at the last minute, and they often do. If you watch the TV shows, you'll see a crew chief run back and get in this big box and start wiggling his arms around while he's moving timers around. And then we now, instead of the magnetos, we finally went electronic. So these MSDs, really? we, you can map the ignition timing before the run. So they will have, let's say it's got 60 degrees of timing and because about a second and a half is a transition for these tires to either hook up or come loose or shake with all that power, they actually have a map that can plug into these magnetos. We have two magnetos on them that will take 20 degrees out at 1.2 seconds and get through that tough spot and then add timing and add like 25 or 30 degrees after that and start adding fuel to it. And so they've got all these different things that have really changed the sport here lately that uh, mechanically have changed in the sport of drag racing. So
0: I heard you have your hands are on two levers. Uh, who holds the steering wheel? Well,
1: I make sure <laughs> I have <laughs> <laughs> the steering <of> the legs. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I do that a yeah, lot. You got a coffee in the morning and you're <laughs> trying to
3: shift. And that's
1: me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I do right. leave with one hand on the brake and one on the wheel. And then once I let go of that handbrake, I reach over and grab the wheel the
2: technology stuff you're talking about just speaks to me that, that's right up my alley that's the stuff i care about what's going on and how to you know the physics of it and then what to do to make the physics work in your favor to get you down the track the fa- faster that's the stuff that i could just
1: i wish they would do more mechanical pieces on the tv shows and they're, they're getting better at it but if if people knew how much has to go right like i'm just telling you some of the adjustments if you look when you guys come to a race i'll show you this box and you'll be blown away by the little timers and the clutch and every time you add clutch with a nitro engine the nitro methane loves to be loaded it has to be put under pressure so if you move a clutch timer to, to add to the run to add clutch you better add fuel right away or you're going to drop a cylinder and vice versa if you don't add clutch and you add fuel, it could put a cylinder out. If you do it backwards, it could go lean and blow up. And we're talking fractions of a second. So there's there's a plethora of stuff that has to go right for this car to go down the track. One of those little timers off, fractions of a second, I mean, one of those timers, one of the 30-something timers off a little bit, it doesn't make it. So all that time spent putting an engine together and a car together and all the man hours, hundreds of hours getting to the track and setting up, and one little thing off where the driver messes up, the runs aborted and you lose everything. So the
0: magic in the crew chief and all of your people is in these fine adjustments. Yeah. And of course, making sure you've got every part backed up of high quality, inspected. I can't imagine the inventory you guys carry.
1: Yeah, we do some pit tours sometimes with some of our guests and, you know, you'll pop open a cabinet and there's a short block sitting there ready to run. And you're talking $45,000 for a short block sitting there. And we might have five or six of them lined up under these cabinets, (laughs) which is nuts. And a rear end is $25,000.
0: So let's think about the man starts his own motorsports company (laughs) and hear the numbers he's talking it takes some coin
2: to get he a, started. you had a platinum card. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. the, the amount of
1: dollars I've seen go in and out of my checking account is something I never imagined ever that I would see in my lifetime. You know, and it just amazes me because it's just, just cubic dollars that you yeah. And it's just, it's mind boggling to see, you know, somebody will say, oh, you blew up that body. How much did it cost to repair it? And or what I'm learning, the funniest part is a washer or a nut, you know, that I used to take for granted. i see it in the pit area when I was a paid driver, and yeah. I'd walk by and kick it under the trailer, you know. Yeah. That is like a $35 little washer sure. or some, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and when I found out, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm running around picking them up yeah. now. And I see them in other people's pit areas, and I'm picking them up. I'm like, a, you know, a, a homeless yeah. guy running around picking other people's stuff yeah, if up. If they're magnetic,
2: you could just get one of those roller magnets <clears throat> <throat> and just run up yeah. and them. <laughs> right? Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah,
0: You're not signing the checks, are you? Yes.
1: Well, my wife is, actually.
2: <laughs> <but>
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, she got very involved, too. That was another cool thing. is She did our taxes before when I was just a driver, but it was just an <laughs> LLC we had. And now she is, you know, she works with Paul, and we she's doing invoices. She's checking out. She learned how to everything in one month she learned everything she could learn about insurance, uh, liability insurance. I mean, we were on a crash wow. course together and this that was another cool thing which, you know, again we run into these shop owners that have wives that are very involved and it's the same thing. My wife was taken on and she loves it. She's having a blast with it. And uh, so, yeah, she's got very we, we've
2: been trying to help each other out that way
1: and Glad to hear. I, I
2: like that he brought that up again. He said that earlier, crash course on how to run the team or be an owner. And I wish that that would happen more often in our world, where I do think, like you're saying, they like fixing cars. They were good at fixing cars. They had people that brought their cars specifically to them. Okay, I'm going to get this building, open the door, throw a shingle up. Here we go. And if I just keep fixing cars, I'm going to make money and succeed. And they don't go get the crash course. And you've said it twice now, and I, I really like that.
1: There's somebody listening out there, I guarantee right now. And I'm telling you listening, you, whoever this is listening... You can do it. I I know that you look around and you're working for somebody and you're like, man, you know, that that person's got a boat and they're going out and spending time with their family. You can do it. If I can do it, you can go start your own shop. And if you're a good person and a good technician, you're going to have people coming to you to get their work. You know, it's like having a good doctor wherever you live. It's so hard, especially if somebody moves. You want a good family doctor or somebody, right? I mean, somebody you can trust that you can call last minute and try to get in. It's so important. It's that same thing. We were just at UTI doing uh, the uh, technician school out there. And it's crazy if you think five years from now that college degrees, I don't think are going to be a big deal. I think these technicians and these mechanics and the people that are going through these schools we're right now, yeah. they're going to be the kings. They're going to be the ones with the boats on the weekends. They're going to be because they're going to be sought after to take care of all of our cars. You know, they're yep. out on the road. We do a lot of stuff on the podcast about
0: Getting out and speaking to uh, middle school, high school counselors, principals, superintendents, shadowing and getting our youth involved in skilled trades. Now, it could be carpenter. Carpenter could be listening to this and says, listen, I should go out and talk to the school. We need carpenters. We need plumbers. We need... But Automotive? I kid a lot. I kid Matt a lot about if you want to wear a white lab coat and carry a computer around, become an automotive technician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're talking computers and computers and data and slicing time and all that stuff. You know, Matt's a geeky, loves that stuff. And you're right. We have to do more as an industry. And thank you for being such a great champion of this and, and maybe motivating. Ten people that listen to this and says, you know, I've heard Carm talk so much about getting out and speaking to our young people. I bet you never miss a chance to do that.
1: No, we love it. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, i was I lost after high school wasn't sure what i was going to do and i went to a technical school for yeah. uh, electronic engineering back then and it changed my life but
0: yeah that's yeah for sure we love doing that hey, look at i so appreciate you being here but i have one final thought maybe you do too matt and the words adrenaline how do you deal with it when you're going that fast i
1: don't know that you can deal with it you just it's such a great thing you're strapped in with 12 different straps holding neck and arms and then you're shot out of a cannon, and then you pop out of the top of this car at the top end, and the cameras in your face, and then they want you to, to talk. <laughs> so you, you try to keep everything together, and you know you've seen John Force interviews, and he just goes crazy, and that's because of that adrenaline. So it's it's a matter of trying to to control the adrenaline after the run. But most of the times in a funny car, because and I joke, but it's not really. And I know where you live; it's probably the same thing. That you're on one of those commuter flights coming into the small airport, right? And it's in weather and it's swaying around and moving around and somebody's getting sick in the row next to you and it's crazy and you're like, oh man. And they land that thing and you want to get out and kiss the ground. That's right. That is every run I make in a funny car. (laughs) Like literally, very few times do I make it where it's just blast on down there and you go, oh, that was fun. Most of the time it's like, "Ah," you know, you're fighting this thing all the way down and then you hit the chutes and it's negative eight G's by the way, when you hit the parachutes. So you have a positive G's shot out of a cannon And then negative eight or nine Gs all in that amount of time. So the adrenaline is spiked out of your head, to answer your question. It's unbelievable. Wow.
3: Well, you've often said you don't have time to enjoy the run.
1: Yeah, you don't enjoy the run. (laughs) The actual run, (laughs) you don't. It's afterwards you go, man, that was cool. That was it.
0: So thank you, Napa, for getting you here in this beautiful studio they built for me. Paul Mecca, thank you for making sure that... uh, Mr. Caps showed up. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, always good, Ron Caps. Thank you. Continued success and I know you got to go out and sign a whole bunch of stuff now, right?
1: Yeah. I got get, the best get teammates Purple in the world. Tunnel from that? Is that uh, like a big I, I, problem? Luckily, i got a short name. i got to thank my, my mom and dad. So I, it's not like I've got Richard Petty. You know, every autograph Richard Petty does, it's like a 20-second autograph. It's amazing to watch them. But mine's nice and short.
0: I just yeah. whip it right out. Okay, it was good for you. Thanks for being here. You bet. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time...